We have two great mountain stories in the scriptures today. One of them is a little disturbing when we first read it, and the other one is inspiring. I don't know if any of you are or were at one time mountain climbers. Not too many mountains to climb in the flatlands of the Midwest. Not that I'm a great mountain climber. I actually prefer to get to the top in one of those great gondolas. But standing on top of a mountain can be intoxicating as one gets a remarkable view of creation in all its splendor. And I suspect that more than one person has looked out and looked around and said, only God could put all this together. So no wonder the top of the mountain was considered a sacred place in the scriptures, a meeting place with the divine, a place where a conversation between God and God's beloved could find a welcome setting. Recall that wonderful text from Isaiah where God promises to host a banquet on the mountaintop. It would take that size of a space for all of the good food and fine wine that Isaiah said God would offer. But also from the mountaintop to look down can be pretty terrifying. And one might ask, what was I thinking? Because of course, the law of gravity will kick in. What goes up must come down. Hopefully with all of the same parts in the same place and working. And so this story of Abraham and his son Isaac not only puzzles us and has confounded scripture scholars for generations, but it must have been terrifying for Abraham to look down at his son Isaac, given to them, to he and Sarah, in their old age. And there on the altar at God's request was Abraham's future. Is this a factual story or is it a great biblical parable? Certainly the author of the story intends to give to us a profound truth. Even as we ask, how could God ask such a thing from so great a person as Abraham? Underneath this story, of course, it portrays the mystery of God being God. And it's countered by our human response that also seems beyond us, that unwavering action of Abraham, a person of immense trust, a person of unflinching faithfulness. 
The astonishing truth we realize in all of this is that this mountain God is also our God. This is a God beyond our human manipulation and our notions of how God should be God. This is the God who, as we might say, reigns on our parade and asks all manner of sacrifices from us and at the same time seeks our loyalty and our fidelity. Would we want a lesser God? A God we could bribe or predict or pay to play along with our personal agendas? I don't think so. This is the God who says, my ways are not your ways. And even as we listen to that, we know it's good news and it's also terrifying. So we are left with Abraham's response. Here I am. And to hear God say, I will bless you abundantly. And in that moment, an ever faithful God enters our lives with an unconditional promise. On the other mountain, a different conversation takes place. For Peter, James, and John, there is this glorious vision. And Peter, overcome with wonder and joy, wants to build three tents to house the Lord and Abraham and Elijah. Remember, of course, our friend Peter. He's the same one who would be not very anxious to follow Jesus into Jerusalem and would in fact deny him. And James and John would soon argue about who would get the best seats in heaven. And in the garden they would fall asleep and then they would run away. And so this glorious vision didn't last so very long with these folks. And so ourselves, in these early days of our Lenten journey, look at these mountains as symbols of our own life. They speak of other places and events and, and conversations that we would have with God about when and where we make our choices that bring us close to God. And there are many, there are many times and many scenarios like that in our life. We know that. We have our mountain moments. They're so good. Our baptism was that first moment of transfiguration when we were changed into the newness of the child of God. And the name given to Abraham and to Jesus is the name given to us, my beloved. And the promise of an ever-faithful God was poured upon us. Of course, we know of those broken promises and failed fidelities, like Peter, James, and John, as we came off 
the mountain and got back into the ordinary journey of each day. And so we need this season of Lent to draw us near to the presence and the promise of our ever-faithful God, to find a spot on our own mountain, to celebrate and renew the profound joy of being chosen by God for every blessing. And we need to hear that question of Paul today. If God is for us, who could be against us? That is the ground of hope, of always being hopeful. It is a covenant, ever ancient, ever new. It is to be the beloved.